0: I'd like you to open your Bibles this morning to the New Testament book of Luke. And we're going to be in chapter 16 this morning as we continue in our sermon series called Who's Your One? We've been focused since the beginning of the year on that one person in your life that, you're going to, that you are going to focus on bringing to Christ... You're going to focus on telling them about your story. You're going to focus on their salvation because that's our job as Christians and disciples. Amen? That's our job. If you were to do a survey of American churches, you would find that there are two topics that pastors struggle to preach on on a regular basis. They shy away from them. Many churchgoers would say that these subjects, they're they're so raw and they're emotional and these these topics are so extreme that they would they would prefer the pastor just not even speak on them because it's just too much it's uncomfortable maybe maybe it's even offensive for those of you that have been with us for a while now you know that one of these topics I preach on twice a year and that's the topic of money I'll preach on that tithing I'll preach on that twice a year the world hates This other topic it hates it so much because because hate is actually built into this topic as a matter of fact hate lives here And it dwells with other negative emotions such as selfishness and fear and guilt this morning I ask you to turn to Luke chapter 16 and we're going to be reading verses 19 through 31 in a message that I have titled the truth about hell There is a misconception from those who are on the sidelines of Christianity and from those on the outside looking in that if you refuse to deepen your understanding on a topic, if you just stay away from it, then then maybe it's not going to exist. They they say, well, maybe Christianity is a pathway to somewhere only if I believe. So if I don't believe in it, if I stay away from it, then it really doesn't exist and, and I'm okay. There's this misconception that if you just don't allow your mind to go there, that you don't have to deal with it. Just because you haven't brought yourself to believe the biblical truths about hell does not mean that they don't exist. They absolutely exist. There's so many people who will never walk into a church because they'll, they'll they'll refuse to put themselves in a position to believe the deep truths about the gospel of Jesus because they, they want to stay far away because if they just don't walk the the line if I don't come close to Jesus and that means that I that I don't have to live under his authority if I don't come close to this idea of of my e- eternal salvation or, or damnation then, then I don't have to worry about it And what breaks my heart is when I hear somebody who knows the truth about their faith and has studied the Bible enough to know what the Word of God says, but then they purposefully step away from their faith. And it breaks my heart when somebody knows the truth and knows how important it is to have a connection with other believers in the church it, it but but they'll just simply say you know i'm i'm i'm, I'm just not going to follow christ in his direction for my life right now or or it's too hard or you know what? i'm going to i'm going to walk to jesus my way i'm going to do it the way i want to do it and i'm just going to let the enemy win so what does this all mean to you and i you say pastor how, how does this make any sense in this sermon series it has to do with this who's your one who is it that is going down this path right now that we need to reach out in hell? There's somebody there in your life. It means that hell is a place that is real, that is biblical. Is that we have a job to tell everyone in our life so that we could keep them out of the attendance in hell? This morning, we're going to be looking at some biblical elements. Of hell. And as I told you two weeks ago, that finding our one person and inviting them to church and telling them about Jesus, it's not for church attendance growth, it's for kingdom attendance growth. It is the idea that if we're inviting you to church, the goal is. We want you to understand who Jesus is, and we want to take your eternal residence from hell and put it right with Jesus and those who love Him. We care about your soul and its eternal destination. There's somebody in your life, there's somebody that you know, See, this is too big and too important of a topic to get wrong. As a matter of fact, I'd rather be embarrassed by my faith in hell than to be wrong about it. I'd rather go into the public square and have have people laughing at me for, for my beliefs and my understanding about the Bible's description of your eternal life without Jesus. I would rather them laugh at me about that than be wrong about it. Here's a statistic statistic for you. According to Pew Research, 58% of U.S. adults believe in hell. 58%, but this is how they define it. They say hell is a place where people who have lived bad lives and die without being sorry or eternally punished. Now, 72% of Americans believe in heaven. And this is how they define that. It's a place where people who have led good lives are eternally rewarded. See, the problem with these definitions is that these definitions of heaven and hell are very unbiblical. The location of your eternal residence has nothing to do with you being a good person. But it has everything to do to do with you accepting the gift of Jesus Christ, or rejecting His gift. And I must remind us, and this is so important, that not making a decision is actually making a decision. There is a default location for souls. We are born with a sin nature. By default, our soul has an eternal destination. Without making a decision for Christ, our soul has a place to be for eternity. We're not really concerned this morning about what a nationwide survey tells us about people's opinion about hell. We want to actually go to the source. We're going to go to the Bible and see what that says. See what the book says. This morning we're going to be looking at a parable that Jesus says, telling... And it's describing the life of somebody who died, a rich man, and he has gone to hell. And it talks about a man named Lazarus who has died and he is now being taken care of. He is with Abraham in heaven. And I want you to see the conversation between these two men, the rich man who is in hell and Abraham who is in heaven. And we can learn so much from this story and these two eternal destinations. Turn with me to Luke chapter 16. We're starting in verse number 19 Jesus says this he says now there was a rich man and he habitually dressed in purple and fine linen joyously living in splendor every day and a poor man named Lazarus was laid at his gate covered with sores and Longing to be fed with the crumbs which were falling from the rich man's table besides even the dogs were coming and licking his sores Now the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. In Hades he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. There are so many points in just this paragraph, just this section of scripture that we've read and we're going to go on through and look at quite a few points this morning. There are more in your notes this morning, so I want you to keep up. Point number one in your notes this morning is this. Hell is eternal and irreversible. In the church, we like to use the term eternal life. And a lot of times when we're focused on eternal life, we use that term to refer to you're going to spend eternal life with Jesus, We're going to spend that time with our Lord and Savior. But every single person, Christian or not, is going to live in eternal life. As much as you try, you can't really fathom what eternity is. Some of us might not even be able to imagine what 40 years is like if we're not that old yet. Some of us can't really imagine what a hundred years is like or a hundred fifty years is like. Could you imagine what a thousand years is like? I promise you, nobody can imagine what eternity is like. But for those who are not spending eternity with Jesus Christ, there is an eternal destination for those souls. Jesus says this in Matthew, verse. Matthew 25, verse number 46, he says this, And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. See, not only is hell eternal, hell is also irreversible. You can't change your mind about your location once you're dead. Once we leave this life, there's no turning back it's just like on an airplane on a flight if you get onto the airplane that is bound to go to london you can't be like four hours into your trip and you go and you tell the 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 pilot i want to go to phoenix that plane is on its way to london it is irreversible it's not changing that is the destination it's not a party it's not fun it's not time to to go there and have a, a, a great time time itself Hardly moves you're not going to notice it moving because there is no time in eternity You don't need time When your sentence of death for your sins the one that you choose for yourself is paid for only once eternity is complete There's no need for time if you thought that time moved too fast watching your kids grow up, or if you thought that time moved too slow waiting in the line at the DMV, I just want you to wait. Just wait until, until hell is full and active in your life, and you, and you look on the wall, and you see the clock, and it has no hands because it does not move. It lasts forever. It is as everlasting as the heaven that we all have, that we all are going to experience. All Christians, all believers, will experience the grace of God. Another feature of hell is this. Point number two in your notes this morning. Hell is conscious torment. It's conscious torment. Matthew chapter 13, verse number 45, 49 rather, it writes this. It says this, that is why it will... That is the way it will be at the end of the world. The angels will come and separate the wicked people from the righteous, throwing the wicked into the fiery furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Mark 9, verse 47 writes this, And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. It's better to enter the kingdom of God with only one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell, where the maggots never die and the fire never goes out. Hell is eternal, hell is irreversible, hell is constant torment, and nobody here has any way to imagine what constant torment is like. The Bible says that hell is where the maggots never die, where the worm never dies, the fire never goes out, where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, and the crying never stops, and the anguish never stops, and the torment never stops. Because everyone there is paying is paying for their sins with eternity by themselves because the wages of sin is death. And everyone in hell chose to pay for their sins by themselves. They made a choice not to let Jesus pay for their sins. If you've ever known anyone who would say that the torment in their life, maybe something they're going through in their life, maybe it's a health condition that they're going through. If you've ever heard of anyone that says this torment is so bad that I just I wish that, that I could die. I'm ready to go so that I can get away from the pain and the torment that is going on right now in my body or, or in my life. That doesn't happen in hell, it is a constant torment that you have to exist through for eternity. I know that this isn't one of the, the, the easiest sermons to listen to, and I'll be honest, it's not one of the easiest sermons to write or to preach, but that's my job in, as a pastor is to equip the saints for the job of ministry, and our job is to not only tell others about the glory of Jesus, but to warn others about the horrors of life apart from Jesus. I want you to come back with me to Luke chapter 16. We're in verse number 24. Scripture says, And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus so that he may dip his finger into water and cool my tongue. For I am in agony in this flame. The third point in your notes this morning, hell is a place of pain more than just torment, like being annoyed by having to listen to Baby Shark on repeat for four hours with a bunch of kids in the back of a minivan. Yeah. That's torment. But see, that torment has an end at some point. The kids will grow out of that. The Bible says that hell is a place of we just saw this rich man crying out to Abraham, saying, Have mercy on me. Ask Lazarus to, to bring me a drink of water. I am in agony in this flame. See, it causes an intense pain, this it's this anguish, this torment, the the torment that somebody put themselves into. Hell is a place of pain. It's a it's a pain worse than you've ever felt in your life. In our culture, we don't want to hurt other people. As a matter of fact, if we see somebody in our life that's hurting, we have this nature to help them to try and reach out and help. Hell's not like that. Hell does not care. As a matter of fact, hell promotes pain. It's agonizing. It's hard. It doesn't care what you want. It simply wants your soul to pay for your deeds with eternity. I want you to see the response of Abraham and Luke. Chapter 16, verse number 26 is what Abraham tells this rich man. He says, He says, No. He tells him, No. He says, Besides, there is a great chasm fixed so that those who wish to come over here will not be able to, and none may cross from here over there. Ladies and gentlemen, after death, we cannot turn our destination around. There is not a choice at that point. There is, there is a big gap between it. Jesus describes in this parable a massive divide between hell and heaven. And you don't switch places. That leads to our fourth point. Hell is a place of isolation. Isolation. Hell is a place of isolation. In our world, we find psychological problems when it comes to isolation. As a matter of fact, our military and our jail systems use isolation as a punishment. When our children get in trouble, we tell them, go to your room, right? Some will remember this, when the kids got in trouble, it was, go put your nose in a corner, right? We use isolation as a punishment. Hell's a little bit different than putting your nose in a corner, but it's that that psychological change that comes to people when they're isolated. When you're isolated from everything you know, that's what hell is. It's isolated from everything you know, everyone you know, and more importantly, it's isolated from God's love. Somebody might say, Pastor, well, there's plenty of people who aren't Christians. Aren't they already isolated from God's love? No. No no because you can christian or not believer or not you can look around this world and see god's love everywhere through creation god's love is shown to us in every sunrise in every sunset in every person that comes to help us in the beauty of the ocean maybe the majesty of the great plains you see god's love in his thunderous roar of maybe a storm or a volcano a beautiful mountain of snow that's all God's handiwork that's his creation none of that is to be found in hell there's no loved ones to spend time with or around when you're in this torment because they are there in torment also the things that we recognize in our life that are God's creation those are gone in hell it's total isolation from anything and everything that God has touched it basically voids out everything that you know even your darkest place in this life God has already touched and created your isolation is even deeper than that and part of me is saddened that people in our world are even okay with that. Or at least they act as if they are. Because they seem to be perfectly fine and okay with isolation from God in this life. See, isolation from God in this life is not even close to isolation from God in hell. Because here, you are still surrounded with His majesty. You are still surrounded with His creation. I want you to look at what the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Thessalonians, we're in chapter 1. He says, these will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and the glory of His power. The presence of the Lord, the glory of His power. It's nowhere close. God's not present in hell, but rather only the existence of loneliness Our next point is going to come from Luke chapter 16. We're in verse number 27. And he said, this is the rich man in hell, Then I beg you, Father, that you send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, in order that he may warn them, so that they may not also come to this place of torment. Point number five in your notes this morning, hell is a... Place of fear. Hell is absolutely a place of fear. I want you to recognize that what the rich man feared. He feared his loved ones coming to join him. He was begging Abraham to send Lazarus to go and warn his brothers. And Abraham's going to tell the rich man, he's going to tell him that he's not going to send Lazarus to go and tell his brothers. He's going to tell him that. His brothers have the prophets. He's going to tell them that his brothers have the word of God and they need to believe. He's not going to send somebody from hell to warn somebody on earth, because those here on Earth, we have the Bible, we have God's word, we have warnings. There's so many times people in our world say, you know what? I would just believe and I'd believe in God if He would show me a sign. He gave you a book. He has given us His Word. The same happens for our eternal destruction in hell. If people are waiting for a sign, the answer is the same thing. He has given us a book. He has given us details. It's there. Abraham saying, no, that is there. The rich man was just begging for a chance to warn his family who already have direction in front of them. The application for you and I this morning is this. We must warn people. That's our job. There's always that fear that if somebody you know, if somebody that you know loses their life on the way home from work and they didn't, And they had never made this decision. They had never come to Christ. There's this fear that they won't get another opportunity to turn their lives around. But you and I as believers that we should have this fear that if something should happen to you and I on the way home, we might not have another opportunity to tell people in our lives about Jesus. Who is it that we've been waiting to talk to until the time is right? Probably those same people that we fear. That we fear if something happens to them that, that they might not spend eternity with Jesus. They won't if we don't know about their eternal salvation. That fear is also for us. If we don't make it home, we might not have that next opportunity to, to talk to them. I want to clear up another misconception about hell this morning. We have this idea that it's, it's simply for everything evil is in hell. Everything bad is. Is in hell. I want you to know, and this might be a shocker, there's some good things in hell. There are absolutely some good things in hell. I want you to write this down because this is so important, also. Point number six, we've got a few more. Good people are in hell. See, the rich man in this story, he was moral, he was caring. He might not have been the best person in the world, but he wasn't the worst person in the world. He let a guy sit out at his gate and eat crumbs off of his his table. He didn't have to do that. He was a good person by most standards. To worldly standards, there are a lot of good people. To biblical standards, there are a lot of good people in hell. You and I know people in our life, maybe friends, relatives, family. You and I know people in the news and celebrities that we consider good people. But being considered a good person does not mean your name is written in the book of life. Having a good heart, having good ideas, not hurting people as much as somebody else, It doesn't cut it being a good person does not get you to heaven even more than that and more bluntly being good does not keep you from hell as a matter of fact the devil you know what the devil loves good people that's his favorite person is the good person because good people think that they're good enough those are the ones who he loves those are, that's low-hanging fruit for the devil. The people who think, I'm good enough. Those are just Those are his new residents. Your next point in your notes is this. Good prayers are also in hell. Good prayers are in hell. The rich man in our story, he called out, Have mercy on me, Father Abraham. Have mercy on me. From hell there are people who are praying good prayers, but unlike in your life today, no one is listening. I'm hoping that in your life that you have good prayers for people right now, for people in your life who you are worried about their eternal destination. Right now, your Lord and Savior is listening to your prayers. There's no one listening to prayers from hell. There's not. Something else good in hell. There's good theology in hell. There's a lot of good theology in hell. You hear the term theology, it's a Bible term. All it means, theo means God, ology means study of, the study of God. There's a lot of good theology in hell. Biology, study of life. I can study life, it doesn't make me a biologist. You can study God. It does not make you a born-again Christian. There's people who, who may have read the Bible five, six, seven times. They know everything it says. People who speak fluent Hebrew. People who speak fluent Greek. It does not make you saved to have a good theology. It only makes you saved. It brings you into the residence of heaven to give your life to Jesus Christ. You could read the Bible every day and you could put all of your knowledge into your head, but that doesn't save your soul. The application for you and I is this. Just because you think somebody in your life might know more about the Bible than you do, it's still worth it to ask them if they've given their life to Jesus. It's still worth it to ask them about their eternal destination There are people who know the Bible, but they refuse to pick up their cross and follow Jesus. They say, I still think I can get to heaven on my own. I just know this stuff, and I can get there. I can get there on my own. I've read that Bible enough times, and it says, do not judge. I'll just do that. I'll just be better than somebody else. Don't be fooled. Don't be fooled at all. There is some really good theology in hell. Devil knows everything there is to know. He knows this. Finally, one last point in your notes this morning. One last point, and this is so important. There are very good intentions in hell. Good intentions are in hell. There are so many people who put it off. They had intentions of coming back to church someday. There are people who had good intentions of picking up their Bible and starting to read it again someday. There's people who had intentions of going to small group someday, but they put it off. And I wonder, Christian, Christian, If they put it off because we put it off. Did we put it off inviting them? We talked statistics a couple of weeks ago. You know who Christians like to invite to church? Christians. Christians like to invite other Christians to church. Ladies and gentlemen, it's not our job to save the saved. It's our job to save the lost. Amen? It's our job to minister to the lost. Sometimes people put it off and they end up in their default location for eternity because they didn't act. Sometimes somebody in our life we might lose forever. And you know what happens is you get to that service and everyone at that funeral service is going to say things like, he's in a better place. We say that to make ourselves feel better. But sometimes there's some of us that could honestly think, I missed an opportunity. I missed an opportunity to tell this person about Jesus. I told you it's not an easy sermon this morning. I wonder what happens if you and I simply don't act. If that leaves other people, if it leads them not to make a decision to come to Jesus. With all this talk about hell, we have to remember that it doesn't have to be this way. Because there is good news. Paul writes this to the Romans in Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. It doesn't have to be this way. Because there's a gift. God has given a gift. He's saying, you don't have to pay for your sins with your own soul's damnation to hell for eternity Accept the gift of my Son and He's going to pay it for you. There's a lot of people who know that, but they just refuse to accept that gift. It's a free gift. This morning's message is not necessarily designed to save souls in this room. If it does, that's amazing. Our message this morning is to remind us that we are ministers and we are disciples and that everyone in our life needs to hear the good news of Jesus. Who is it? Who's your one? I promise you that every person here has more than one person that you should be concerned about right now. About their eternal destiny. About their eternal destination. I bet, I bet people here have ten people in mind. I'm only asking for one. Who is it? Who is it that you're inviting to church next week? Who is it that you're speaking to about Jesus this week? Again, it's not about church attendance. It's about kingdom attendance. But it starts here in this room. Fellowship with others. We come alongside others and we grow together in Christ. If your decision to follow Christ has been put on pause, this morning, I'm going to ask you to push play. I'm going to ask you to take that decision off of pause. And in a moment, I'm going to ask you to walk down here and I want to pray with you. We all want to make sure that everyone in this room is spending eternity together with our lord and savior jesus christ in heaven eternity with him in a place that there is no pain there is no tears there are no clouds this ladies and gentlemen is a place that that jesus has gone to prepare for us but there is an eternal destination that is already prepared for us and that's our default destination When we don't make a choice, a choice has been made for us. Who's your one? Who is it that you're going to bring to Jesus? Who is it that you're going to bring into the kingdom? Who is it that you're going to bring here next Sunday? Who is it that we want to add to the attendance in heaven and take away from an eternal attendance in hell? With every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, I'm going to ask you to spend some moments in prayer. I don't know who that person is in your life right now. I don't know who it is, but will you bring that person to Jesus right now? Will you just put that that face and that name right in front of you? There might be more than one person whoever it is. We want to spend eternity with them in Heaven. There's nobody that you know that we would wish hell upon. I'll tell you, it's a common saying. Oh, there's a special place in hell for people like. There's there's no special place in hell. There's nothing special about it. But let me tell you what, It doesn't matter who it is in your life. There is a special place in heaven for somebody in your life and in your mind right now. There is absolutely a special place in heaven for everyone in your life. Even that person in your life who you're not talking to right now because they wronged you. There's some tension going on in that relationship right now. You haven't talked to them in a decade. You know what? There's a special place in heaven for them. Jesus has already gone to prepare a mansion. There's nobody that you know and nobody that you don't know that we don't want to spend eternity with with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in heaven.